Welcome to another Western Ag Life Voices podcast, where we celebrate the people that make up the rich fabric of the Western lifestyle. Please do us a favor and thank the sponsors, because without them, we couldn't bring you these free podcasts. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Western Ag Voices episode. This episode is proudly brought to you by Made Right Feeds from Wilcox, Arizona. Made Right has been manufacturing bulk and bagged livestock feeds, minerals, supplements, and grains for Arizona and New Mexico ranches, dairies, and backyard producers since 1984. Uh, they are very proud of their large feed store that is stocked full with uh, a friendly staff that can help you with all of your pet, livestock, tack, uh, household items, Stock tanks, panels, shoots, whatever you may need, they got it. And uh, they work with qualified nutritionists um, in all livestock species that are able to formulate uh, nutritionally balanced feed programs that will fit uh, your program. So anyway, uh, Made Right is a uh, locally owned and operated business here in southeastern Arizona. And, and uh, we know that uh, they're there to serve farms and ranches. So if you uh, have any of those needs or need a... Uh, a uh, new feed store or, you know, need uh, ration made, uh, go check out Made Right Feeds there in Wilcox, and uh, they'll get you taken care of. On this episode, uh, we have Celeste Citrini on from uh, Central California, and Celeste is uh, part of a Red Angus operation there that's been in her family for a long time and also is a, a field representative for Turlock Livestock Auction Yard and really just an overall advocate for the beef industry. So in this uh, conversation, uh, Paul, Dean, and myself had the chance to visit with Celeste, kind of about her upbringing and uh, her time at Cal Poly and, and also what she does now with the ranch and also uh, at the sale yard. So uh, without further ado, here is Celeste Satrini. All right. Welcome to Western Ag Life Media Podcast. This is um, Dean Fish along with your co-host Paul Ramirez and Matt Arndt. And we're talking to Celeste Satrini from Salinas, California. And we've been really excited to get a chance to talk to you, Celeste. Um, as you're going to find out, Celeste has a diversity of experience in the agriculture field and in particular livestock and a lot of other stuff, but um, has a really interesting story and we're glad that we're able to share that with you today. So welcome to the podcast, Celeste. Oh, thank you guys so much. I am so honored to be a part of it and excited to visit with all three of you and um, just tell you a little bit about what I have going on and, and share ideas and, and stories and looking forward to it. So, so tell me, Celeste, a little bit about the Citrini Ranch. You guys celebrated 108 years, I believe, um, this yes. year? Yes, we did. It was 108 years in January. Uh, my family has been ranching here um, in the Salinas Valley. They migrated from uh, Switzerland and Italy and came over here and settled and started a dairy ranch many years ago. And so um, our barns and everything here are set up, you know, like a, an old dairy. And as time went on, um, you know, there were so many regulations even back then than there are now. The family really couldn't make a, a living at the dairy deal because they needed to, it got to the point where there needed to be uh, cement floors and some different things that were going on that they just didn't have the income at the time to create that. And so they switched over uh, to a beef operation and they had Herefords 
and it was my grandpa and his three brothers. It was the Trini Brothers Herford. And they did a lot of um, sales here in the Salinas Valley where people, it's kind of funny because now it's so popular to, you know, know where your food comes from and, and purchase from, from folks right off the ranch. They were doing that, that back then with Salinas Valley meat. And so they did that. And then my dad came along and uh, graduated from Cal Poly, came home, and then him and his father uh, took over the ranch. And um, today it's my brother and I and my mom, and we're still, we don't have Herefords anymore. Uh, we're a Red Ang- commercial Red Angus ranch. But um, it's, yeah, 108 years later, we're still here plugging along and yeah. loving every minute of it for sure. Yeah, that's that's pretty neat. We'll talk about the ranch a little more in a little bit, kind of what you're doing. I really, really admire a lot the pictures that you put up and the great job that you do as an, as an advocate for agriculture. But we'll talk about that in a second. I want to kind of back up yeah. just a little bit. And um, you said that it was Trini Brothers Herefords. Would that have maybe started your interest, maybe your love for the Hereford breed? You know, I think so. As a young person, um, you know, you turn nine years old, it's time to start 4-H and really wanted to get into showing cattle and um, had seen, you know, by that time, um, the Herefords, we were already kind of phasing out of them. But I saw pictures of grandpa and and pictures of dad showing as a young person and, and they were all Herefords. And so I really wanted a Hereford. And so uh, three years ago, I got my first Horned Hereford heifer, a registered heifer from Leis Brothers. And they were located out of King City, California, for $200. And let me tell you, that was big money back then. I'm 55 years old now. So, you know, that was a long time ago. But $200 was pretty big coin. Uh, and went on to, her name was Brenda, went on to have a champion Hereford heifer at, uh, oh gosh, I think four or five different fairs here locally. So it was, it was a fun start to my show career for sure. And then you, you also did, did some business with, um, Pedridis, right? Pedridis? Yes. Yes. The Pedretti family, um, after my, my first heifer, that $200 heifer, um, I kind of wanted, I was really serious about the Hereford deal and wanted to have my own little herd. And so, uh, Pedretti's are here in El Nido, California, and they still today are a very prominent Hereford breeder, um, have been for many, many years. They too were also a dairy and then switched over to beef cattle. Um, and so my dad said, you know, let's, let's go with them and, and see what we can get and get you some good heifers and, and start your little show career. And so um, shortly after that, went and met with Gino. And he, I just found out the other day, I want to say he's ni- just turned 90. And so that's pretty kind of fun. Um, he set me up with some good ones. And so I showed from the time I was nine till I was 19 and had all uh, Perdetti Ranch breeding and did very, very well. Was very blessed with a lot of purple ribbons and buckles and things like that. So it was fun times for sure. Yeah, I, I remember being in the state next to you and getting the Hereford Journal. And that was, you know, for a little Hereford enthusiast, the the Bible would come every month, right? You know, and especially the yeah. March one, which had the National Western, and then the Herd right. Bowl edition in July which had all the herd bulls and all the different ads. And so seeing some of these names that you're mentioning and remembering some of their ads and, 
and so forth. They're really, really, really prominent and so pretty, pretty cool. So that Hereford experience so led you into another position or another opportunity on a bigger stage, if, right. if I'm correct. So tell me a little that's bit. And that's, right. that would have been our first association at the, yes. at the National Hereford Convention. Yes. Um, you know, joined the California Junior Hereford Association as a youngster and, um, you know, showed all those years. And then um, when I got into high school, my later years in high school, I had the opportunity to um, run for the National Junior Hereford Board. And so that was something that I thought would be really kind of a fun thing to do, uh, would be able to travel all over the United States representing various um, young Hereford people and attend their field days and do some public speaking and, of course, attend the national convention every year. That was always held during the American Royal in Kansas City. And so we would get to go to Kansas City and be a part of that. And so um, my senior year in high school, I ran for that board, and um, I didn't make it. And so um, I was a little disappointed, but um, I tell everyone this story. It was really funny uh, talking about Hereford names. Uh, Mr. Haygood, they had uh, Indian Mound Hereford down in Texas. And he came up to me and it was really funny because everybody that was running for the board, you know, they had on their navy blue blazers and their, um, you know, starch jeans and were very conservatively dressed. And for everyone, anyone that knows me and Dean, you certainly do. Um, I always seem to buck the system when it comes to my fashion choices. And so back then even, you know, I didn't go the conservative route. I had on these plaid pants and this yellow sweater, I remember. And he came up to me and he says, in his little twang, Texas accent, which I just loved, he tells me that he doesn't know what I've got going on there with my outfit, but that I just, you know, the Hereford breed needed someone like me and needed something a little bit different and that I better try again next year to not give up. And so I didn't and worked real hard. And the next year uh, still had some funky outfit on and end up, ended up, I made the board and it was some of the three years of the greatest time of my life met so many wonderful people and got to travel all over the U S representing the breed and, and the beef industry. And it was just fun times, lots of fun times. Well, I, I know, and I'm really thankful that you did run again because I'm, I'm a couple years behind you. And I remember as a, as a, as a junior member looking up to you and you're, you know, a, of course, you had a larger-than-life personality, but you were always so kind to everybody, and I think that was, if I had to give a trademark to your your term there, that you were really um, encompassed, you know, made sure you went and sought out the people in the corner and got them involved and, and um, were a tremendous leader. So on behalf of all those juniors back in the late 80s, thank you for, for doing that and for, for being that for us. Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. I think, and a lot of it, I think, has to do with Mr. Haygood. Um, God bless him. He's passed on now. But just the, the inspiring words that he had to tell me. And, you know, we're talking about all these Hereford folks um, back then. Uh, Bright Brothers. James Bright was another instrumental one that, that kind of helped me with my public speaking and kind of helped me with all the terminology and the things that I needed back then to to get up and speak in front of uh, the young people and um, all the bulls and things that they were using at the time who kind of helped me uh, get prepped for that. 
So we're going to do a shout out to him too. He was, he was a good one. Oh yeah, for sure. No, I remember seeing their ads too. Bright brothers, Herefords, right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of fun times. And I, I got the opportunity to help show for them later on too, in my career. Um, you know, it was, I always thought that, Oh, wouldn't it be great to just fit cattle for the rest of my life? Well, my dad kind of squashed that early on. Um, but I did got, get to do it for a year or two, and that was pretty darn fun. And got to work for Brights and Pedretti's and uh, got to go to Denver. And then later on, um, they had club cabs and that kind of thing. Got to help with that, too. So I got my show fixed. It was it was a fun time. Yeah, pretty fun. So little did you know that that opportunity probably started to help set you up for the rest of your life. So you go to Cal Poly, and what do you major in, Celeste? I majored in agribusiness marketing. Right. And so when you, when you graduate, I believe that um, you kind of want to go back to the ranch, but um, your right. father encouraged you to do something different. Is that right? That is correct. I always wanted to, at the time, um, again, I graduated from Poly in 1991. So during that time, there really still wasn't a whole lot of females doing guy things. And I really, I really looked up to all of the field representatives at the time. Um, you know, we're talking about all these folks. Tom McCord was another in, influential uh, gentleman in my life, and he was the Hereford rep at the time. And I thought, what a great job to be able to go to all the ranches and visit these families and take pictures and represent their cattle and kind of showcase what they had. And so... I thought, you know, getting out of school, wouldn't that be a great job? Well, that didn't really kind of pan out at the time. And my dad uh, had said, you know, you're here at the ranch and you can help and do everything that we do, but you need some real world experience. You need to get out there and get a real job and get a paycheck every week and learn how to pay your bills and, you know, kind of be on your own and do that sort of thing. And so coming from Salinas, uh, the Salinas Valley is the lettuce capital of the world, salad bowl of the world. There is so much produce that is grown here. And so I had an opportunity to work for a produce brokerage firm here in Salinas and just figured it would be a very short stint. Uh, went and applied for the job, got the job, and stayed there for 25 years. <laughs> Actually got my uh, brokerage license and was a commodity broker with fresh vegetables. And so I did that, uh, was their marketing manager for a time, went to a lot of trade shows and uh, did that for, yeah, 25 years until uh, my dad passed away suddenly. He was um, in a bad accident here on our ranch. And so that kind of was the turning point that brought me back home to the cows and to all the things that I'm doing now. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't get to come back home right away and and punch cows like I thought I wanted to. Dad made me do some other things, which which is a blessing now looking back because dealing with, uh, if you know anything about produce brokerage, it's 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 a pretty tough business. And being a female in that business and dealing with a lot of males from New York and uh, New Jersey. Um, it definitely gave me a, uh, a thick skin to deal with all the other things that I've had to deal with in life. So it was a blessing. I look back and it was a blessing, but it was good times too. Yep. Good times. 
Yeah, for sure. I, and it's no small wonder that you, you also, your leadership and your, and your dedication to that industry was recognized. You were the outstanding young farmer of the year and uh, outstanding, um, the prominent woman in agriculture and several other things as far as, you know, dedicating some time with some volunteer stuff, the Ag Against Hunger, Hunger Project and so forth. What, what, where did the California Women for Agriculture experience kind of fit in there? You know, that kind of came, oh gosh, I remember, oh, it's probably been about 20 years now. Someone had called um, and asked if I would be um, willing to serve on a committee, this California Women for Agriculture. And California Women for Agriculture at that time was over 3,000 volunteer member organizations. And they were very instrumental in going to Sacramento and lobbying for different ag um, issues and basically spreading the word about agriculture to, you know, our consumers and pretty much anyone that would listen to us. Um, and so they had called and asked if I'd serve on this committee. And I wasn't even a member yet of California Women for Agriculture. So I, you know, I said, gosh, I'm not even a member. Well, that's easy. You can join and, you know, you can be on this committee. And so I did. And then after just a couple years, I find myself uh, running for president of California Women for Agriculture and being very blessed in getting that position. And so for a few years, I served as president of CWA um, here in California, overseeing that 3,000 member organization. And with that, got to travel um, all over the U.S. representing California agriculture. Um, when that term ended, it kind of being so involved in issues in Sacramento and in speaking to different groups and things, I was lucky enough to, for about two years, um, travel all around the U.S. speaking on behalf of farmers and ranchers. And uh, that was just a great time of life. I, oh, I probably had two or three speaking deals a month. Um, where I went all over the place, whether it be a Farm Bureau group or a cattleman's group, um, consumer groups, all kinds of different places that I got to go to and just kind of share the story of the American rancher and agriculture and the importance of it and why I thought it was so important. And it was really, I was amazed at the time that people were actually paying me to come and speak to their group because it was just something that I knew second nature, but what an experience, tremendous experience. We don't do that as much anymore. I still every now and then get asked to come and speak to a group, but nothing like I was doing uh, right after my stint as president that lasted about two years. Uh, but, uh, but I will say though that, um, so uh, I follow you on the book face machine there. And, um, <laughs> And one of the things that I greatly, greatly admire and that I know those of us in the industry don't do enough of is sharing that lifestyle, sharing that ag lifestyle. You do such a nice job of talking about, oh, these are replacement heifers. This is, you know, or they're getting vaccinations this day and this is why we vaccinate. Promoting that ag literacy. I I think even though you're maybe not speaking in person as much, I think you're probably having a greater impact and a greater reach in doing some of that. Um, well, thank you. Yeah, I enjoy it. I um, take lots of pictures, post at least, you know, pretty much every day um, and just share the story. And I, you know, I tell people all the time, we have got such a great story to tell. 
and that we need, I think, you know, we get beat up so much along the way, but really when you look at it, we have so much to celebrate. And so that's my focus and that's what I do. And I am pretty transparent about all the things that we do. And hopefully I share it in a good, a good way so that people understand it. Um, yeah, it's just been, that's been a, a fun adventure too, is social media sometimes can be a little bit of a pain for, for a lot of topics that come up. But for the ranch life stuff, uh, the majority of the time, people are really very receptive and ask a lot of questions or, and are really interested in what's going on. Yeah, you know, and we take for granted that they just we assume they would know that, right? And it's and it's not right. like that at all. And and it's yeah, that's a that's a pretty cool thing that you do. And I'll, I'll pledge to do better myself on sharing some of that stuff. I don't Thank do you. that as well, but that's that's really cool. So kind of fast forwarding. So you've been back at the ranch about ten years. You've um, been pretty committed to to doing that. You've um, also still have. Um, I call them some side hustles <laughs> that you do some stuff. You work pretty closely with, with Max and the crew at um, Turlock Livestock Auction Yard. That's kind of a, a so two-part relationship. You help coordinate the Champions Chant um, bid calling school as well right. as helping them with promotion, right? Right, yes. Yes, so, I started that. Um, oh, gosh, that's been a couple years. Uh, Max had called me. Um, Max Oliveira and Ralph Wade, both world champion auctioneers, um, had called and asked if I would assist them with their champions chant bid calling seminar. And I have always had a, a fondness for auctioneers and just think what y'all do is, is such a great thing. And so um, have always been a real cheerleader of that. And so they asked me to kind of come and help with that. And so I've done that now for a number of years, kind of organizing a school and, and helping with the setup of that. Um, we get 10 to 15 people twice a year that come out and learn from them. And that's been something that's just a whole heck of a lot of fun. Um, in addition to that at Turlock, about two years ago, Max had asked if I would be interested in coming and being a country rep for them in representing the livestock yard and trying to get cattle to come into the sale barn. And so um, that has been probably one of the greatest things I've done because I just, I love the ranching families. I love the industry and it's just so fun to be able to help them uh, market their calves and get them to a place, uh, you know, to, to get them sold. The majority of the folks that I deal with are smaller producers and I think that that is definitely my niche with, with uh, Turlock. You know, I do on occasion get a full load, but a lot of people, you know, may have 10, 15, 20 heads that they need to get to the sale barn and don't have a lot of representation or help with that. And so um, I help them with all of that, you know, making sure that they're on a good vaccination program, um, if there's any value-added programs that we can get them hooked up with, um, when they get to the yard, you know, I, I want to know what day they're going to come. And usually I'll be there um, on the day they're sold just to make sure the guys out back know that they're there, make sure that the auctioneer knows all the information on them. And it, it's been rewarding because I get from a lot of people, gosh, I only have 10 head or 15 head. And like I tell them, it takes all those 10 and 15 heads to make the beef business what it is. And so that's one thing that I admire about Max 
um, adding yard there at Turlock is if no matter if you've got five head or you've got 500, he treats you the same. And he's got such a good reputation. And I'm so um, glad that I've tied my wagon to him and, and the, the folks there at Turlock. It's been such a good experience and I've learned just so much from it. Yeah, that's certainly certainly a top, top bunch to be associated with. I'd sure be proud to be associated with them, too. Um, yes, I am. It's, um, you know, and, and I think it's also important, when, you know, we think about, you know, I, I get to go and do some little bit of beef work around the country and, and thinking about what it takes to stay relevant, whether you have those five head or 500 head. And so, you know, those marketing programs and doing the, you know, being be you know, maybe not necessarily BKA certified, but following those principles and practices and doing those things. That's, that's important stuff. And I think those livestock auction markets play a big role in helping, you know, those producers get the value for their, for their animals as well. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And so many people, you know, when I first started, um, when I first started it, I didn't realize that the people, the things that folks don't know, like the BQA certified or the value added programs. And so, you know, you're really opening up a whole new little world to them. And, you know, like I said, whether you've got five or 500 head, those five head, they take a lot of pride in that. And that's someone, you know, someone that's a big deal for someone. And so I, I really try to do my best to make them feel just as important as the big guys too. And, and it's been, it's been enjoyable. It's been rewarding. Um, and I've gotten some good custom, new good customers to come in. So that's been kind of neat. So, so kind of upstream from that, another project that you do is a bull cell bulletin. Um, we're, yep. t- we're talking to you here in August and I'm not sure when this will air, but in a few weeks, you're going to start your big bull cell run for the fall. So yes. t- tell us a little bit about the bull cell bulletin and how you kind of started that and, and what you do. Yeah, well, that um, that was the, the something that was on my heart for so long. Um, you know, when I, as we said, when I was a young person, I always admired those guys that were out there kind of reporting on the sale and talking on the sale and taking photos. And so I thought to myself, you know what, I'm just going to make this happen and we're going to try it. And if it works, great. And if not, well, you know, so be it. So the first year, um, it's been about, it was shortly after my, it was the year after my dad passed away. So I guess it's been about nine years I started and I went to, uh, I, I called all the sales that were happening in the fall in, in September, you know, you get your calendar and it's got all the sales in there. And so I called them up and I told them what I was doing, that I was going to start this little side gig called the bull sale bulletin. And what it was, was just an extra pop of advertising for their sale. I would come and take photos. I would um, share their information on social media and, um, you know, just have that there for them just as an, as a little extra, uh, in addition to the advertising they were doing in public, in print publications. And so the first year I did everything for free. I just, I said, this is what I do. I'm going to share with you what I'm doing. If you like it, hopefully next year you'll hire me to actually promote your sale and, and help with the promotion. And so that first year, uh, the month of September, I zipped around and took photos and edited the photos and sent them a nice album back of pictures. I did some stuff on social media uh, for them, and they all hired me back the next year. So that was, 
quite a blessing and pretty exciting. And now, you know, fast forward nine years from nine years, my focus now, I still do take the pictures on sale day and I still do promotions on social media, but I'm really working hard at getting buyers in the seats. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I hang around with a few auctioneers there at the um, at those different sales, and they always tell me, Celeste, at the end of the day, it's not about the pictures and all this extra stuff. Sure, that's great, but these purebred guys want buyers in the seat. So if you can do that, you're going to, you know, that's just going to be another feather in your cap. So my work at Turlock has really opened up a, a lot of doors of new people that I have met. So all kinds of new people that need bulls, all kinds of new people, um, you know, that need new programs. And so that's what I'm really focusing on now is, yes, I still do the photos. Yes, I still post on social media. Um, but if I can get a buyer, you know, customer relations and buyer relations, that's my main focus for them. And that's been a whole heck of a lot of fun because when you get some orders and you actually get to go to one of these sales and buy bulls for someone, um, that's a pretty cool thing. So um, we're gearing up. September 1st is my first sale, and I will be busy uh, the month of September into into October. Got a few little stragglers, female sales the end of October. But, um, yeah, for the next couple months, busy times, a lot of miles traveled. You're, all, you're also doing a little bit of producer education with, with Turlock as well, isn't that right? Um, I have. You know, I'll it's funny. Up, I yeah. Yeah, we're going to um, do a um, producer education that's for anybody that is um, our customer or w- is, wants to find out more about Turlock. We're having a special dinner that I'm kind of been put in charge of the end of September, kicking off our bull sale. Um, our bull sale is September the 30th, and I also um, got roped into managing that a couple years ago. So that's something that's kind of new. That's kicking off bull sale week, and we have um, Zoetis has given us a little bit of money to kind of assist in putting on this dinner, and we're going to have a panel of speakers, a lot of, um, we're going to have a representative from Western Video Market and Grimius Cattle Company, uh, Dwayne Martin Livestock, and Harris Ranch, and there'll be one representative from each of those, and we're going to just talk a lot about marketing your calves and what they're looking for and what they think is important and the value-added programs that they think is important and when should you be marketing them. And so we're going to do that at the end of September, and that should be a a fun event. And hopefully we get a lot of people to come. So if you're in the neighborhood, all three of you are welcome. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be be also something for you to think about. How How do we get that reach out further can you do like a Facebook live or a recording and maybe host that on yeah. Turlock's website or something, but you know, that to is, maybe reach, a great idea. reach some of those customers that you have that aren't right. able to come or whatever. But I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity there to, to do something. Well, I've Celeste, I've kind of dominated this conversation. I want um, to let my good friend, Matt Arndt or Paul Ramirez kind of visit with you and ask you a few of the questions and on stuff that I totally forgot or <laughs> ran over. Sure. So. Matt, uh, I had one just to echo on um, what you guys are doing at Turlock here in the next couple of weeks with that producer outreach. So, you know, for me, I'm going to just ask this as a kind of a selfish question as a young person. W- what do you tell people um, 
you know, particularly in the West, um, how can somebody, you know, be successful in this business? And what do you see uh, the future of the beef business looking like? Well, I think for me, um, I'm always an optimist. And even though, you know, we struggle through a lot of different things, my dad always taught me that things are always going to get better, no matter what, you know, we've dealt through here in California in the last few years, the drought that we've had, it was pretty bad and prices were depressed and, you know, you just keep pushing ahead. And when you love something, I think that's the only thing you can do. And so for young people that come to me, you know, I've had folks that ask, you know, I really can't, um, you know, I can't maybe can't afford to buy any cattle or I don't have the ground to do that. Um, how, how do you suggest I get into it? And I think a sales yard is a perfect spot for that. Um, you know, you have the ability to be associated with a lot of great people who are very knowledgeable about the industry. Um, you're there surrounded by lots of cattle and to just um, go and maybe see if they have any openings or whether it's working out back or working in the office, kind of getting a taste for um, the beef business and what it's all about. And so I think any kind of your industries that the beef industry has, whether it be pharmaceutical companies or, um, you know, mineral com- supplement companies, any of those kind of things can tie you to, the, to our industry. And eventually you never know what will happen. So just, you know, I people don't get discouraged if you can't, you know, at first afford to maybe get right into boots on the ground ranching. Um, there are so many places that um, are available out there for you to to be a part of the big picture, I guess. And and keep pushing ahead and working hard and you never know what's going to happen. One day it could it could just pop for you. Perfect. Hey, uh, Celeste Paul. Well, I'm going to bring up the white elephant in the room. Sure. And you guys uh, struggle with it more than anybody probably in the nation. And I just kind of want to get your perspective and, you know, um, tell a little bit about what's going on. And um, certainly the animal welfare, you know, you guys are ground zero there. And, um, you know, I think so many people have this, you know, misunderstanding that, you know, California is just the beaches and, and, um, you know, surfing and, you know, L.A. and so forth, and they have no idea, right. you know, when they get, you know, north of L.A., you know, that breadbasket of America, how much agriculture and how many, you know, entities that, you know, not only produce, but also beef producers in, you know, in the state of mm-hmm. California. And I know one thing for sure, California has a very well-organized marketing association where the livestock marketers have come together and probably have, you know, one of the um, most comprehensive associations in the United States and so I just want to talk a little bit about that, you know, our listeners, um, you know, because I think sooner or later all of us are going to have these subjects come up. Sure. I think that, um, you know, what I tell my fellow ranchers all the time, if, if I'm ever speaking to them, is, you know, you guys, we, once again, need to celebrate what we do. And I think too many times we are either so intimidated by the other side Or, you know, the other side has lots of money to spend, whether it be, you know, your animal um, activists, they've got a lot, a big budget, and they've got a lot of money to spend to to put advertisements on TV and, and on the radio, and they do a lot on social media. And I tell people, we need to be proud of what we do. 
We need to celebrate that. We need to talk about it every chance we get, whether it be on social media, like doing what I do with, and not saying that I'm perfect by any means, but by sharing your ranch stories, talking about what we do, going to the grocery store, visiting with people. I'm one of those crazy people that at the meat counter, if I'm there and someone's kind of looking at something, I'll strike up a conversation and talk about the meat they're trying to buy or help them pick out something and say, hey, you know, I'm a rancher and this is what we do. And I think it's getting to a point where more of us need to do that. And um, there's a lot that I use my brother as an example all the time. He is very happy to be on the ranch, working on the ranch. He doesn't care about talking to anybody. He doesn't want to tell his story. He's just happy up there doing what he does. But I really think that those days are numbered for all of us in doing that. We all need to be a voice and to talk about what we're doing, especially here in California. We have, you know, I am always willing to go to Sacramento and talk to our elected officials and share the story. And I think it's so important that we do that because really, you know, at the end of the day, when a lot of times people, you know, you're not going to change everybody's mind, but at the end of the day, you will change a few minds. And if you can do, you know, one or two, then maybe they'll tell their friends and it'll just, you know, steamroll into something bigger and better and, and um, more successful for us as the industry. I had a deal. Um, oh gosh. It's been a few years now. A gal from had asked me to speak to a group of students from UC Berkeley. And um, there was about 12 young people that were graduates of Berkeley that came here to Salinas, wanted to talk to me about ranching. They knew nothing about agriculture nothing about cattle ranching. And she said, you know, I'd like for you to visit with them. And so I said, well, let's go to a restaurant, you know, we'll pick a restaurant and they can ask me anything they want to ask me. And so at first I'm thinking, I'm probably crazy in doing this. They're going to get me, but because it's a pretty liberal, Berkeley is a pretty liberal area. Pretty, you know, but I figured, you know what, this is what I've got to do. And so I went and I sat and I had dinner with them. And the majority of the people, animal welfare was the one thing they talked about. They didn't ask all the hard questions that I thought they were going to ask about antibiotic use or, you know, climate change or any of those other things that I'm not super well versed on that I always need to look up some literature and have some backup. But they wanted to talk about how I cared for my cattle. And I had my iPad and I showed photos. And I talked to them about it and they asked questions. And at the end of the day, they're just other people that are just as passionate about their agenda as I am about mine. And I think once you realize that, um, I think then you're golden because, you know, these people, they've got this set, um, you know, folks on the other side, they're just as passionate about that side, whatever it is as we are about ours. And once you understand that, I think then we can move, make ground headway and, and move forward. Here in California, another thing that I always share with people, um, I do a lot with the California Beef Council. I was lucky enough to be put on their board a couple years ago. And so they always use me as a guinea pig to do commercials and all kinds of fun things like that. They come out to the ranch and take photos and have them talk and um, we've done some really fun, special things um, the last couple months. 
But one thing that I didn't even realize, there is only one county in California that doesn't have uh, beef cattle in it. All the other counties have some sort of beef cattle production that I didn't even really realize. And so I, you know, I like to share that a lot. And I like to tell people that many times, even if you're living in the city, if you don't go too far, you know, far out of the city, you might see a beef animal or there might be a ranch near you. I had, um, getting back to Turlock, had to film some video or some cattle, uh, video of some cattle not too long ago, uh, right outside the Bay Area. And I had gotten the directions of where I was supposed to be going to this ranch. I had never been there before. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I must be lost because this is right in the middle of, you know, the city. And not too far, five minutes down the road, was a full-blown herd of cattle that I needed to, to film. And so it doesn't take long to look not very far, and you can see some sort of beef production here in California. So I like to always share that story and for people to kind of be on the lookout and look around and, and ask the questions to those ranchers that they meet up with. Well, and certainly we're all in good hands. I know when you're representing us as a whole, and, uh, you know, kind of going back to what you know, Dean and talked about earlier, um, we certainly appreciate what you do for all of us really in the industry. And, uh, well, thank you. That's one of the reasons we wanted to have you on. Um, I'll let Dean and Matt finish up, but you know it's been great, and um, man, we've we've had a great time, and we look forward to doing more of these kind of things with you, Celeste. Absolutely. So, so just a, so question I kind of like to ask uh, is um, if you could go back and talk to nineteen, twenty year old Celeste, what would you tell her? What advice would you give her? Oh, gosh. You know, this is a funny one because I've been asked this question. <laughs> I've been asked this question before. I do some work with the Bull Sale Bulletin for Cal Poly's Bull Sale. Cal Poly's the college right. down there in San Luis Obispo. And they always ask me the same question. And I know this sounds, this might sound really crazy, but I'm being super transparent. In this. I always tell them, don't have a boyfriend or girlfriend when you're that young. And I know that probably sounds crazy, but it's like, do all the things. There is so much time for relationships and people and all of that later on, that when you're that young, you need to get out and do all the things. And I wish, um, I was one of those girls that always had a boyfriend in college. And maybe we're getting too personal. I don't know. But <laughs> I look back, and he was a fine young man, but I look back and I'm thinking, really, Celeste, you could have done you know, this or this or this, but I don't know. Girls sometimes are kind of crazy. They, anyway, Yeah, uh, but I, I look back and I think, yeah. And there's probably, and it's funny because I did say that to the people at Cal Poly and you could just see some of the people that had boyfriends, girlfriends are looking at me like, what are you doing lady? But I don't know. I just think there's so much opportunity with, future and careers and things that are going on, save all that other stuff for later. Get dig, get right into your career and all the great things that are out there that um, when you're a young person that are available to you and do all the things. Yep. And you can worry about boyfriends and girlfriends later on. So, well, very good. I don't know. That probably wasn't a good, so like, you probably didn't think I was going to say that. <laughs> I didn't, but I'm usually, I'm usually pretty transparent in things you ask. 
So if you need to bleep it out or whatever. I, I no, I'm, I'm sure there's some fathers on here that are really going to enjoy that. Oh, yeah. Probably have their daughter listen to the podcast. <laughs> listen to Celeste. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess if, if someone wants to get on the um, Celeste, uh, Celeste um, bandwagon, get on the Celeste team, how do they get a hold of you or where do they look you up to get, um, you know, to market cattle at Turlock or be part of the bull sale bulletin or kind of see what's going on? How, how do people get a hold of you, Celeste? Absolutely. Um, well, you can, I just found out, this is another thing of doing work with young college students. They teach you so many things and they taught me how to make my personal page like a, a public professional page. So anybody can look me up at Celeste Citrini and follow along, which I did not know you could do that, but I guess you can now. So that's kind of a cool thing. So Celeste Citrini on Facebook or Instagram and then, and on LinkedIn as well. Um, and then the Bull Sale Bulletin on Facebook or Instagram. And I have a website and that's pretty simple too. It's just my name, CelesteCitrini.com. So um, under that website, you can find a tab for Turlock Livestock. You can find a tab for Champions Chant Auction School. You can find a tab for the Bull Sale Bulletin. And then um, I share some pictures and things of the ranch. So it kind of encompasses all of that. So pretty simple. Just put my name out there and you should be able to find me. Perfect, Celeste. Yeah, and our parting ways, I just want to say thank you one more time, you know, for being that person that young ladies in agriculture can look up to. Uh, I knew medicine, my daughter, when she, you know, attended the auction school, she just was completely impressed with you. And um, I think you're a wonderful mentor for young ladies. And I want to say thank you for that. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. This has been fun. Well, good deal. Well, signing off for Western Ag Life Media, this is Dean Fish with Paul Ramirez and Matt Arndt. Thanks again, Celeste. See you down the road. Thank you. I have learned from the fathers, the mothers, and the old ones. Pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. I have learned from the sisters, the brothers, and the bold ones. Pass it on, pass it on, pass it on. Pass it on. Voices ring true. No greater gift can be given to you. Tales of work and tales of strife. Tell the legend of Western Ag Love.